podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. I'm James Butler, the Cricket Badger. And in today's edition, we are looking ahead to England in Sri Lanka, a two-test match series. Both tests in goal because of the COVID situation, a big bubble placed around that area. And England getting back into test match action. The Cricket Badger podcast at the moment, sponsored by bluecrocodile.co.uk. Snapping up the right mortgages for you. Give them a follow on Twitter at bluecrocmoney. I'm pleased to say, making his debut on the Cricket Badger podcast is Richard Mann of the Sporting Life. Richard, welcome. Hi, James. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to have you with me. And I know you've done your preview in the Sporting Life. You're looking forward to this as well. And you're also, uh, like myself, all over the big bash at the moment. I just wondered, uh, from your cricket-loving perspective, is, is the Red Bull king? Or how are you uh, kind of evaluating your preferences at the moment in world cricket? Oh, you know, I think I'm a red ball um, traditionalist at heart, but um, there's no getting away from the fact that the, the, the T20 stuff is, is just fantastic entertainment. And, and I think we're really lucky, especially when you, you look around the world with everything that's going on, that we can we can get up at eight o'clock in the morning UK time and we can watch brilliant T20 cricket. Um, and we've, we've had some terrific stuff from the Big Bash. I know you've been across it um, all through the tournament. And then obviously we, we saw... Well, last week, running into Monday, a fantastic test match between India and Australia. Um, some real controversy there, but some great cricket. And and I think they can all work together in unison, all, all three forms of the game. So I think we're blessed at the moment as cricket fans. Well, you say getting up at eight o'clock to watch the big bash. We're going to have to get up slightly earlier for England and Sri Lanka, aren't we? Because that's, I think, 4.30 yeah. start. So that's uh, going to be uh, interesting. I'm going to have to set my alarm and try and get myself into <laughs> Sri Lankan time, I think. But I, I'm quite interested by England in the bio bubble. We've seen across a few series of late and uh, teams maybe getting a bit of bubble fatigue at times. England had uh, the, the full summer in the bubble in, in the UK, but at least they were at home um, in that sort of environment. This is the first kind of protracted period where England go away and they're in a bubble in a strange hotel in a strange environment. Do you think that's going to play a part in this series? I think it'll be interesting and I think it'll be interesting with with a look towards the future as well for England. Obviously, I know we're going to touch on it later, but some massive tours coming up. So it'll be fascinating to see how they cope with it. I think if you just look at other sports, it's so challenging, the bubble, and it, and it gets to players that... I'm just going to use a snooker example quickly. Judd Trump being brilliant in snooker, but there's been times even even he this season has just struggled with that bubble environment and has needed to get away for for a while. Obviously, for the England cricketers out in Sri Lanka, they, they can't nip home and have a week off. So it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out and, and a big challenge for, for Joe and the management. Well, as you indicated there, I mean, it's, it's this bubble, then almost immediately into another bubble in India, which is going to be a really testing four-test match series. So, uh, yeah, England are going to have to get used to it, aren't they? And we have, we have to remember as well, these are human beings that we're talking about. We like watching them play cricket and we tend to forget that at times, I think. So uh, the mental health side of things and giving people a bit of time off is going to be important as we go ahead with this England team. Getting to this series, Richard, we're going to make a, f- a few predictions, betting predictions later on in the podcast. Both of us getting a mythical 20 units to uh, invest in this series to see who comes up trumps in that one. But two years ago, was it December, wasn't it? 2018, England were last in Sri Lanka. They should have obviously been there in March, but got uh, sent home because of COVID. 
England won 3-0 on that occasion. So England go there with a, a degree of confidence because they know they can win there. It's not necessarily that easy, is it? Yeah, and I think looking back to two, two years, it, it was a fantastic achievement. We, we shouldn't play it down. I think think of all the things that, that this England side and, and, and maybe the ones before them, coached by Andy Flower, of all the things that they've achieved, I think the victory in India and then the victory in Sri Lanka have got to be right up there. I mean, it's just so hard to go to the subcontinent and win. We've seen um, South Africa, Australia, sides like that go to places like India, quality sides, and they've, they've come up short time and time again. So for England to do that, it, it was a fantastic achievement. Probably, the I would say, the biggest thing on Joe Root's CV as a captain at the moment, um, something they can be very proud of. And I think the key for this series, they've got guys who have had success in these conditions. Root played really well in that series. Uh, Josh Butler, I'm, I'm going to touch upon later, he had a good series. He was just playing as a batsman there. They've got Ben Fuchs in the squad again. I mean, he, he might not even feature this time around, but he was man of the series, I think, last time. And then Jack Leach with the ball, I think he picked up 18 wickets in that series. So they've got the nucleus of a, a good side to compete in these conditions. But as we know... You know, facing even a, what is a pretty depleted Sri Lankan side now, and they're missing the great players of the past, the Jay Wadinas, the Sangakawas. I suspect they'll still be a tough nut to crack at home, particularly now Mickey Arthur's taken over as head coach. He's a real taskmaster. He's had great success with Pakistan, South Africa. I thought he did a pretty good job with Australia, actually, before his tenure was cut short. Um, so I think they'll be a well drilled outfit, and, and we should be in for a good series. I like Mickey Arthur as a coach. I thought he, as you say, I think he did a really good job with Pakistan. I was surprised they didn't try and keep him a bit longer because I think he'd got uh, a lot of those youngsters coming through into the Pakistan ranks, uh, starting to really sing and dance. And he's a, a big addition, isn't he, for Sri Lanka? Because he, he really knows cricket inside out. He knows how to prepare a side. They've got a really good man at the helm there. Yeah, I think I think he's a fantastic appointment. I really do think he's a terrific coach. I, I mean, probably don't want to labour the point too much about him, but even even when he lost his job with Australia, you think back, Darren Lehman took over after that. They competed hard in that Ashley series. Arthur lost his job right on the eve of that one. I think it was in 2013. And then Lehman went on to coach what was a, a pretty good Australian side by modern day standards. But I felt that Arthur had laid the foundations for that. Michael Clark became captain and a, and a much revered captain. Um, through that period and then like you said did a terrific job with Pakistan Champions Trophy winners got to the top of the world rankings in Test cricket I think what you get with Mickey Arthur is he wants blood, sweat and tears he wants commitment he's a very passionate guy but if you give him that you'll be rewarded with loyalty and I think it paid off with Pakistan guys like Asad Shafiq you know had a really long run in the side and, and, and became really consistent performers and, and I suspect that will be his job with Sri Lanka now Sri Lankan cricket's been in, I wouldn't say tatters, but not far off over the last few years. But I think he'll bring some much-needed stability. And I think he'll just make them more organised and harder to be. I mean, you mentioned a few of them earlier on, but yeah, Jaya Saria, Jaya Wardner, Sangakara, Lasith Malinga, Murali. Yeah, there's five straight away who are legends of the game, not just in Sri Lanka, but across the world. And you take those kind of players out of a, an international setup, pretty much all within a few months of each other. And you are going to have to rebuild, aren't you? That's a, they're, they're big misses. Yeah, and I think, if anything, it's kind of been a sort of an elephant in the room type thing as well. I mean, Jay Wardina and Sankakara, they played on in white ball cricket after they'd left the, the test set up. But I, I felt they were, they were sort of still around, very vocal in the press about how Sri Lankan cricket was being run. And, and they may well have had a good, good points with what they were making. Um, but I think for the players themselves, they need to just move past that now, carve their own futures, if you like. Um, and there's some good young players in this side. I think they're really well led by uh, Dimuth Kuranaratne. 
quite hard for me to say. Um, but they've got an experienced head in Angela Matthews. Dinesh Shandamal's a really good player, probably hasn't made the most of his ability. So there's guys there who you think enough experience now to, to really kick on themselves and, and make the Sri Lankan side their own. Karuna Ratley is uh, one of these guys who is um, a bit more in the kind of stodgy test match kind of mould, isn't he, as a, as a top-order batsman? He is hard to dislodge, isn't he? They're going to need people like him during this series to just take root. Yeah, I think they will actually. Uh, Karuna Ratney and probably Angelo Matthews, I, I suspect he'd probably bat number five. He missed the recent tour to, to South Africa, did Angelo Matthews. Probably a fair shout looking at some of those pitches he came up against. They'll be the sort of rocks, I think, that they'll try and build a side round. Um, but they've got good players in there. Kusul uh, Pereira, he's going to open the bat in with Karuna Ratner. He's a real dasher, dangerous player. Two left-handers at the top that could make it tricky for England, particularly Jack Leach as well, the left-arm off-spinner. You'd think he might be England's main weapon, but with two left-handers at the top, it might make it tricky for him. So there's some really good sort of matchups in there. And like you say, if Karuna Ratner and Matthews can give them some stability for the likes of Pereira, Mendes... Uh, Shandy Mal to play around those guys. I, th- I think they're going to make it hard work for England. It was Kusil Pereira that did a Ben Stokes before Ben Stokes did it at Headingley, wasn't it? He he shared a tenth wicket stand. I can't remember who it was who it was with now to get his team across the line from a completely losing position. So he's got pedigrees. You say there's a few up there who uh, can score a few runs for them. And then when you look in the spin department for them, they've got Pereira with the ball who took 22 wickets a couple of years ago against England, who was going to be really tasked with kind of leading their attack, isn't he? Yeah, and, and, and good variety as well. They've got Harasanga as well, who's a, a leg spinner, quite highly rated, but pretty well in South Africa, but the surfaces back home will, will obviously suit him much better. But with a leg spinner in him and Dolores Pereira, an off spinner, they've kind of got variety to, to go at England's batting lineup. It looks like Soranga Lachman will be back, experienced seaman. Now, I don't, I don't think the pitches will help him much, but I think he'll, he'll, he'll be looking, another experienced head, and he'll be looking to play a containing role, much like James Anderson and Stuart Broad might do. Um, for England, just hold and end up and then let the let the spinners attack from the other end. So while the attack isn't frightening, I think there's enough variety and enough quality in these conditions um, to suggest that, that they can put it up to England at the very least. Physical Attraction is the podcast about science, technology and the future from a physicist's perspective. Combining deeply researched episodes with interviews with experts, scholars and thinkers, we cover a huge range of fascinating topics. From the birth of stars to the ways the world might end. From nuclear fusion and artificial intelligence to economic inequality, climate change and cosmology. From the $100 billion venture capital fund trying to accelerate the technological singularity to the life and times of scientists in the Soviet Union. Find Physical Attraction wherever you listen to podcasts or at physicspodcast.com. No Ben Stokes for England, no Joffrey Archer for England who are being rested because of the bubble fatigue kind of thing that we've been talking about. Holly Pope still coming back from injury. And although he's out there, he's not going to feature in these two test matches. They're keeping him on ice for the India series to follow. So when you look at England, I mean, it's slightly depleted, but all teams seem to be at the moment around the world, don't they? Jack Leach should come back into the side. And it looks like with Moen Ali having suffered his COVID-19 positive test, he's going to be missing at least the first test match of this series. So it's going to be 
Leach and uh, Bess, they're going to combine to try and spearhead England's spin attack. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the first thing to say is just bitterly disappointing for Moeen Ali. He obviously took a break from international cricket and this was supposed to be his, his way of get, resurrecting his test career, if you like. So a real cruel blow for him. And, and like you say, it doesn't look like he's going to feature in any of the test matches. What it does do is it, it means Jack Leach and Don, Don Bess will form that spin duo and and I think for Don Best in particular, this is a huge series. I think looking ahead, particularly to Australia, where, where they'll obviously just play one spinner out there, England need need a safe pair of hands in the spin department, um, someone who can hold and end up in the first innings, control the run rate, and then develop and attack second time around. And I think we've seen enough from Best to say that he can play that first role. He can hold and end up. He did very well in South Africa last year, actually, at that. But when, when pitch is becoming in his favour, either late into the game in England or probably from the off in Sri Lanka, he needs to show that he can he can attack and be a real weapon for England in, in that scenario. So I think it's a big series for him. I think England have backed him, backed him last summer, and I, I suspect they'll continue to do so. He's a young man who's improving, but he will need to deliver soon. And like you say, Jack Leach, you know, had a really good series out here last time, but he's, he's played no cricket to speak of in the last right. year. So it's a big test for him too. Um, really interesting. Both those guys will obviously be eyeing up the number one spinner spot. Um, good friends off the, off the field, actually. It's funny, they've been, been rivals for a place at Somerset for a while, um, and now they find themselves in the same position for England. But hopefully over the next few weeks, they can link up and have a good partnership. Yeah, Jack Leach took 18 wickets, didn't he, last time uh, England were in Sri Lanka. So I'm sure Joe Root will be throwing him the ball a few times over the next few weeks. The Burns-Sibley partnership at the top of the order has been disrupted because Rory Burns has got the birth of his uh, child coming along. So he's missing this tour. Um, It looks like Zach Crawley is probably going to step up and partner Dom Sibley at the top of the order. I'm not a big, massive fan of that, you know. I, I think England have suddenly found a number three. They can actually trust into the future he got that big double hundred in the summer um just get put him in that number three slot and let him prosper in that position get used to that position but i think england will stick him up to open yeah that sort of went went through my possible starting 11 last night and i'm, I'm thinking along the same lines as you and i have to agree actually i mean we you know we gave jordanly such a good run and we didn't quite nail it and then we found zach crawley really he looked to have nailed the number three position it's what we've been looking for since jonathan Trott. And then suddenly the first chance we get, we break it up. I feel a little bit like England are just searching to give Johnny Bester one more opportunity to try and really nail test cricket as a batsman. I think he's played 70 tests now. Doesn't quite average 35. I mean, it's not good enough by anyone's standards, but particularly not for a player as good as, as, good as Johnny Bester is. Um, so it looks like England are trying one last throw of the dice with him, probably looking ahead to the Ashes when they get out at the end of the year in Australia, flat pitches where there's not a lot of lateral movement. They'll probably be hoping Bairstow's in that top six, you know, his pugnacious chest-out style of batting might be suited out there. But um, I think it's a risky business moving Crawley. And if, if it doesn't come off for Bairstow, Burns will have to come back in. Crawley will then move down. And yeah, it's potential for banana skin, really. I mean, your comments there about Johnny Bairstow, I totally agree. You know, he's maybe not got quite the runs that he should have done in Test cricket, particularly in the last couple of years. But his stats are actually better than Joss Butler's. And Joss Butler seems to be the golden boy who's trusted regardless of how he does. I, I wonder with Johnny Bairstow, you know, he's he's one of these people that I think is a little bit more insecure than his puffed out chest suggests. He wants to feel loved. 
And I think England have messed him about a little bit. They've given them the gloves, taken them off him. They've put him at pretty much every single position in that test match order. You need to kind of give somebody a little bit of continuity and put an arm around the shoulder and say, right, we really want you. And I don't think England have really proved that with Johnny Bairstow. No, you maybe make a fair point there. And I think I think the thing about Joss is he, he seems to be such a respected guy around the dressing room um, that, that England almost were desperate for it, the Butler um, thing to succeed, really. Probably more so with Bairstow. And I think... I think they value as much what Joff offers off the pitch as he does on the field. Um, and, and they were obviously delighted that he came good last summer. And, and you're probably right with Johnny. And you think back to the start of his ODI career. I mean, he, he had brilliant numbers and yet he wasn't a guaranteed starter. Alex Hills and Jason Roy obviously opening the batting for, for such a long time. And then eventually he just hammered the door down and now he's a brilliant white ball opener, one of the best in the world. But by hook or by cook, this this probably is last chance to learn for him, really. I think if he has a poor tour here, England might look past him, certainly in, in red ball cricket anyway. So he'd be under a little bit of pressure, but he made 100 out here last time batting at number three as well. So conditions might suit him. He's a good player of spin. Um, so fingers crossed he can come good and, and give England some headaches. I'll give you my Joss Butler theory now. Uh, and I, I love Joss Butler as a person and as a player. He's, you know, he's fantastic. White ball cricket, second to none. Test cricket, I don't think he's quite cracked it. And I've got a theory that in this last summer when they were in the bio bubble and Joss Butler was able to just concentrate purely on red ball cricket because they separated the squads out, didn't they? So he wasn't playing white ball. He was able to net, think and just concentrate on test match cricket. And I think the proof was in the pudding. He, gra- he gradually got better as the summer continued. Since then, though, he's played IPL. He's been playing ODIs for England. And maybe the, the muddle between white ball and red ball mindsets, technique and whatever else comes into the equation might just knock him back off his uh, off his good run. Yes, that's a really good point you make, actually. And I was kind of looking at it the other way in so much that they've had a break since the IPL and... and well, they had a little bit of a tour in South Africa that's obviously cut short. That hopefully he's had some time to just practice at home. I know that they've been using Loughborough, haven't they? Um, just to face a red ball and, and try and get his technique back into back into test cricket mode, if you like. But it's a terrific point. I think his judgment outside off stump against a moving ball has continually let him down in, in test cricket. But it got better and better throughout last summer. Like you say, it was all he had to focus upon. So I'm just, I suppose, going forward, England have already nailed the, the colours to the mask with Butler now, and I, I think they want him to be their wicketkeeper come the Ashes. I suppose it's probably up to the management to, to have a look at something like that and say, right, we, we maybe need to manage his workload so he can get the preparation in for Red Bobble. You know, we're probably going to have a World T20 tournament coming up, and obviously he's, he's a huge part of England's plans for that. So how, how they do that, I don't know, but it's probably something they're going to have to consider. You've mentioned Ben Folkes already, and he's another one who people always bring up. As soon as a drop catch behind the stumps, Ben Folkes' name comes up as the best keeper you know, around at the moment. I don't think there's any debate that probably in England he's the best gloveman. It's going to be interesting to see how he's used this over the next few months because Joss Butler's not going to play the full series against India. He's going to get some time off for um, bubble fatigue. So whether they'll play Folkes with the gloves in this series, because if there's going to be one complaint about Joss Butler's keeping... And he's more than adequate, don't get me wrong, but against a turning ball on subcontinent tracks, it's not the easiest job in the world to stand behind the stumps with the gloves on. And Joss Butler's technique's going to be uh, exposed potentially if he has a bad series, isn't it? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Um, say that about Johnny Bairstow as well. I, th- I think they're both serviceable glove men and, and, and they're perfectly reliable stood back, but up, up to the stumps against a moving ball. 
from what I've seen anyway, folks looks poles apart from those guys. So I'm, I'm guessing that will be the way they're going, India. I, I wondered for this series, and they probably want to keep the continuity now, but even if they just consider playing Butler as a batsman and got, got folks in there to bat, it doesn't look like they're going to do that. Dan Lawrence looks like he's going to debut on Thursday. But I wondered if there was half a chance or if they'd at least considered Butler just batting five as purely as a batsman. He did pretty well um, fulfilling the same role out here two years ago and whether folks came back in as a keeper given that he is the better keeper to spin. But it doesn't look like that's what they're going to do. In changing times like these, make a change yourself. Buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time buy a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite, they're just straight talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. We'll pick our England 11 in a second, but you just mentioned the, the last man on my list here, Dan Lawrence, who I've got a lot of time for. I've seen a bit of him, both in England Lions shirts and uh, and for Essex. And he's got, I think, a really big future. If Yeah, you just need a bit of luck and the cards to fall right for you and uh, at times, don't you, to make a career in, in cricket. But if things go well for him, he could be a fixture for England. But the, the kind of the caveat for that is Ollie Pope's got to come back into this side at some stage. So is this going to be a, just a short-term Dan Lawrence thing? where it's just a case of use these next 10 days of uh, two test matches in gold to show us what you can do. You might have to step back after this because Ollie Pope's going to come back in above you, but show us you've got what it takes for when we come to call for you in the future. I think so. I mean, looking at him right now, he's probably got spare batsmen for the Ashes written all over him. Like you say, Ollie Pope has to come back in. And I think there's a there's an argument to be made, probably a big argument, that, that when Pope comes back in, he he probably should be looking to go up to number four at some point. I'm, I'm not for one minute suggesting that, that Joe who drops down the order right now, but I, I think he's the real deal, Ollie Pope. And, I, and yeah. I, I wouldn't say that too often. He just looks a terrific player for me. I'm, I'm not sure number three would be the ideal slot for him. I still think he's maybe a little bit aggressive outside of stump, but I think him batting at six, you know, when England's tail might be susceptible to pace, particularly looking out to the Ashleys, I don't think that's ideal. But for Dan Lawrence, if, if Pope doesn't move up, he's fighting against Pope, he's fighting against Stokes and Butler and potentially Bairstow and all those guys. So it's, it's such a terrific, uh, such a tough place to try and win a, win a permanent place in that England side. I suppose what he could do is he could go back to Essex next year and say, well, if Zach Crawley's going to potentially open the batting, maybe I'll, I'll try and bat three for Essex consistently. And put my put my name in the hat for that role, given that Joe Root doesn't seem to want to do it. There'll be things he, he's probably going to have to think about in the future. But yeah, like you say, at the moment it, it looks like two two Test matches. But if, look, if he makes a hundred somewhere, he's going to be hard to leave out as well. I suppose you can be your own selector to a point, can't you? And if he makes the runs and, and makes it impossible for him to leave leave out, then they'll have to make a big call somewhere else. It's fascinating, isn't it? The, the England Test team over the next 18 months, as we say, home and away against India to follow um, Australia down under for the you know the biggest um, tour that England ever have to the uh, for the Ashes next winter. Um, so many days of Test match cricket to come. It's going to be really interesting to see who takes the chances and who doesn't. You know, injury is going to come into the equation too. It's hard to predict, isn't it? I mean, if you go, if you scroll on 18 months for for England in Australia, it's hard, very hard to predict who's going to be in that 11 come the first day of that tour because so many things could change. 
Absolutely, and, and I think we had it a bit last year, and I thought it was premature. But the debate surrounding Stuart Broads and James Anderson's positions in the side, and you know, should, should we not be playing them, looking ahead to the Ashes? But so much can happen from now till then um, that I think I think we can. I know people like me and you are probably guilty of looking ahead to the Ashes because it gets us excited, and it's what people want to talk about. But in terms of England selection. Yeah, you've got to have an eye on the future, but so much can happen before then. I mean, we could we could talk now about well, Anderson and Broad might might not line up in Brisbane, but who knows? Uh, Joffre Archer and Mark Wood could be injured by then, and Anderson and Broad might be the best we have for any conditions. Um, so I, I, I think the cricket up to that will will tell us, and fingers crossed, everyone can just stay fit and we at least have a full squad to pick from. Brian Richard, this is our selection meeting for this first test match in goal. We're putting Root in at number four, so we can ink him in. We know we're going to play Bess and Leach, so Bess at eight, potentially Leach at probably 10 or 11, depending on how they go with him. Um, the openers, I, I think we've probably agreed that it's going to be Crawley alongside Sibley at the uh, top of yeah. the order. So who, who are we sticking in at three and five then in, in that batting order? Well, it, it looks as if it's going to be best. So three, Root, four and Dan Lawrence, five, making his debut. That's that's the way I'd probably go. And it, that seems to be what England are leaning towards anyway. And then we've got six and seven in the keeper position there, haven't we, to, to follow who's going in there? Yeah, well, I, we, I suspected that Moen Ali would have played if... if without the COVID-19 positive test and batted six and Butler seven. But I think what they'll do now is they'll play Butler six and a bowling all-rounder uh, at number seven. And I think Chris Wokes would have been front line for that. But obviously it looks like he at the moment is a doubtful start for Thursday as well. Obviously he's been self-isolating. So I think Sam Curran will get the yeah. nod. Um, I know these conditions probably are ideal for him, but he, he did okay out here last time. He batted very well anyway. He's had some good experience in Dubai in the IPL. His stock's really risen. Um, so I think I think he will play at seven, sort of as the bowling all-rounder and maybe even take the new ball. I'm not quite sure, but I, I think he'll get the nod anyway at seven. So that just leaves us with our two seamers then. Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad were the obvious choices here, Richard. But I've seen a few um, previews of this where the, the England head honchos are, are suggesting that Broad and Anderson might play one test match each in Sri Lanka. And in, in a little bit like they'd started off last, last summer, obviously with India in mind, and they know they're going to be in the bubble for a long time, they might play one of them as the senior man and, and bring in a Mark Wood or somebody else to, to join them. Yeah, I suppose conditions will dictate what. I mean, if I mean, I can't see it happening, but if, if they got to goal and it and it looked like there was a bit of grass on the pitch and and there might be something in it, then you probably would play Anderson and Broad. I think. Well, let's just try and get the match won. Personally, if it was me, I, I think I'd go with Anderson first up because I still think he's the best bowler in the country, and then I would just replace Broad Anderson with Broad for the next test. I would play Mike Wood. I don't think he played enough cricket last summer anyway when he was fit. But I think if there's any reverse swing second time around, I think he's your man on these. You know, if, if it's going to be a slow and, and, and a spin friendly as it was last time, I think your pace is going to have to be real genuine pace. And Matt Wood certainly has that. So that'll be the way I got it. I don't know what you're thinking. Along no, I'm, lines. I'm with you. I think I, I, I still think Anderson's, yeah, despite broad heroics in, in the summer, I still think Anderson's the Rolls Royce of English pace yeah. bowling. Um, so probably Anderson and Wood in the first test match and then bring Broad back in for the second one. Um, and give Anderson a rest at that stage. Yeah, that that would be that would be the way I go. I suppose the other thing they could do is if they think two matches played at goal in quick succession, that reverse swing is going to be more of a factor in the second test. They could maybe save Mark Wood for that and look at look at it another way. I suppose Chris Chris Wilkes could be available by then as well. So 
that's one thing you can say about England. They've got some options in the in the pace bowling ranks. I mean, Ollie Robinson's still waiting for his test debut. I think he's a terrific bowler. You know, just so much depth. Sakeem Mahmoud's out here as well. So they're certainly blessed in that department. But as you say, Anderson and, and Brad, they're, they're the main two at the moment. So. I, I think Ollie Stone's a terrific player as well. He played, it's just the one test match against Ireland. Um, and uh, yeah, didn't do anything wrong there. He's got a bit of pace. And then there's, there's players like him. You mentioned a few others there that, you know, in another era, could have probably had 30 or 40 test matches under the belt by this stage in their career. 100% and, and you'll have probably done the same. I watched the, the uh, Sri Lanka-South Africa series that went on over Christmas and I watched the bo- Boxing Day test match South Africa without Rabada, so a little bit short on the bowling front. And and they look like they've got some good stock coming through. But, you know, I watched these guys making the, making their way and they look good bowlers and they were playing bowling on pitches that did assist them. But, uh, but I thought back to England's own depth and England's bench strength and, and I think ours is better. And even you, you look at Australia and their attack is revered around the world, the start coming to Hazelwood, Nathan Lyon. But you look beneath that, maybe Jai Richardson, and then after that, I'm not quite sure the depth's really there. Whereas you look at England, I mean, we could have a scenario next winter, fingers crossed if everyone's fit, that, that you could leave Mark Wood out for Brisbane or even Joffrey Archer. I suspect Archer will play, but but you know you know what I'm getting at. Whereas Australia, yeah. if they got an injury to... If Hazelwood and Cummings got injured, you'd be looking at someone like Michael Neister, who, who is very much a conditions bowler. So England are so blessed in that department at the moment. It's great to see and hopefully they can just stay fit that point you just made there I've been thinking that during the Australia-India test matches you know the amount of injuries that India have suffered during this uh, this campaign they've had Coley going home for paternity leave they've lost probably three of uh, actually all of their their frontline pace bowlers now because Bummer is going to miss the fourth test match if you did the same thing to Australia and took out Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, Tim Payne and uh, and Steve Smith would be probably the the same yeah. on their side they've got nothing left of days yet so I mean India <sighs> have done amazingly well yeah, I've, I've made this point. I was making this point to a friend over the weekend. I mean, a, it's just a phenomenal effort from India, really. And they lost what was a big toss as well last week. Um, you know, having to bat second in Sydney is never easy. Just an, an outstanding effort, really. As soon as Coley went home and they were 1-0 down, I mean, I suspect people were, were laying bets, of, you know, for 4-0. And just great resolve, great skill, great character and great depth and I don't think Australia have got that and I think if England can can get on a bit of a run now and they've got two very very tough toes coming up but if they can get get on a bit of a run and, and, and like you said solidify these positions you know Zach Crawley's our number three Pope comes back in he's our number five Stokes at six or vice versa I think they're in a good position actually look, looking ahead and, and it's a long way to go but I think they're in a good position to, to go to Australia with a good chance anyway I mean, Joe Root's making the right noises. He's determined, is Joe Root, that uh, they're going to go down to Australia and compete this time. He said, no excuses this time, but we'll see what happens. It's all right saying it. Got to go down there and doing it. And that's going to be a a tough tour, isn't it? Such a hard place to to go and win. I mean, even now, India have done so well. And looking at the the team they're going to put out in Brisbane, you could see them probably losing that one and losing the series too well. And they don't deserve that. They they do deserve to get something from the series. but, But winning out there is so hard. You think of that great England side that did it a few years ago. That was an unbelievable cricket side. And and even they were one all after Perth and, you know, needed to pull it out of the bag. So, you know, it's, it's a mammoth task. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. 
Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now down in this set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin-safe performance. Compact design. Advanced engineering. Ceramic blade. Waterproof. And it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers, revivers, preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Get on there now. Welcome back then. It's uh, James Butler, the Cricket Badger, joined by Richard Mann from The Sporting Life. And we're looking ahead to the Sri Lanka-England two-test match series. And now this is where you put your money where your mouth is, Richard. We're going to take me on. You're going to get 20 units. And that could be anything, £20, $20, 20 units, whatever you want to classify them as. And uh, this is to go on the series markets for the uh, two-test match series. The Joe Roots England are going to be playing in goal against the Sri Lankans. I'm going to start off with the um, top England batsman market. And that... I'm going to go with Joe Root. I think you might go a different way with this one. I've taken all my odds, by the way, off Bet365's website, but I mean, others are available, obviously. But Joe Root, two to one. I don't think he had his best summer, and there's obviously always the caveat with Joe Root that he should go on and make his 50s into 100s and his 100s into massive 100s, and he doesn't necessarily always do that. And he's fallen down probably from the the, the upper echelons of world cricket where Virat Kohli, Steve Smith, and Kane Williamson are joined by Barbara Azam, really, as the, as the top four in the world at the moment. But he's still quality. He's a really good player of spin. He'll be very conscious of the the importance of this series against Sri Lanka with India to come as well. And I think he's quite canny because I think some teams might go to Sri Lanka thinking this is just the warm-up for India and take their eye off the ball a little bit and not really give the Sri Lankans the the respect they deserve. But Joe Joe Root's not that kind of fella. I see him top-scoring for England across the two test matches. He's 2-1. to I'm going to stick five of my units on that. Interesting points you make there, actually. And thinking back to the the series between these two sides in 2018, the one thing that really sticks in my mind is how well he and Joss Butler played and played the spin. Both really good sweepers of the ball, um, very good at accumulating. I know we think about Butler as being this sort of master blaster in white ball cricket but a very good sweeper and can accumulate against a spin very proactive both of them um, so, so I'm, I'm with you I think we'll have a good series but I'm going to go, go with Josh Butler I think he's around 9-1 to one now there was some 12-1 to one actually for him to be England's top series run scorer last night but that's gone but it, there is still some 9-1 to one. Um, and I just think and I suppose I'm going to fall into the Butler trap again, aren't I? But I just wonder if, if last summer was a real touchstone moment for Josh Butler. And I'm hoping that he can nail test cricket long term now. A really good player of spin and hopefully he can have a good series. So I, I think I'll I think I'll go 10 units with Josh Butler. I did a preview on Spartan Life yesterday and I made him my strongest fancy, so... There's no point backing out now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, we disagree on this because I'm not, I'm still yet to be convinced by Joss Butler. And I'd love for him to be able to, in a, in 18 months' time, when he's holding the Ashes urn in his hand after scoring more runs than anybody else over the next 18 months, to basically look down the lens, stick two fingers up at me and say, I've proved you wrong. I'd love him to be able to do that. I just still have doubts about Joss Butler in Test match cricket. As I say, hopefully you will prove me wrong and hopefully you'll land your nine to one there with your 10 units. Although I'm not particularly keen on you to do that because it's is a competition between me and you and so hopefully I want you to lose um, so let's uh, move on to a couple more of my bets here and these are both in the bowling um, markets for Sri Lanka and for England respectively um, start off with my five units on the England bowler on the basis that they probably will rotate Broad and Anderson and it's going to be 
the spinners bowling the majority of England's overs in this series, with Moen Ali still in his hotel room, recovering from uh, COVID-19. Likely that Bess and Leach will share the bulk of the bowling activity over the two Test match series. I really, I really like Don Bess. I know England can see something in him, and I can see the same thing. I've met him a few times. I've seen him sort of close up, and he's a uh, he's got something about him. There's a bit of steel in there. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. He works really hard, and he's ever improving. He's not the done deal yet by any means, but he's more than capable of coming on and, and taking wickets. So I think if you judge him over maybe England at home, he hasn't necessarily always been served up by the best wickets. Even when it's turned, it's been slow turn and he might get a little bit more help on the Sri Lankan surfaces. So Don Best for me, I found him at 7-2 to two to take the most wickets for England in the bowling department. Jack Leach, I think, is probably going to be his biggest opponent in that market. But I think 7-2 to two on one of your leading spinners in a series where it's going to turn I think that's a great price. So five of my units go on Don Bess at seven to two. And then for Sri Lanka with the ball, Dilruan Pereira, I think he's going to bowl you know, in the same way. I think he's going to lead their attack. He did two years ago when um, and took the majority of Sri Lankan's wickets in that three test match series. They'll be looking for him to repeat the same thing. So five of my units are going to go on Pereira at 12 to five to be the leading Sri Lankan bowler. I know this is a competition, but I wholeheartedly agree about, about Don Best. I think it looks a match, doesn't it? And, and Leach is around the five to four mark and Don Best is seven to two. So it's, it's a bit of a no-brainer there. And I think the other thing in Best's favour is two, two openers for Sri Lanka are left-handers. We've got Dick Weller, the wicketkeeper, is another left-hander. So Best should enjoy bowling to those guys, whereas Leach, obviously the left-arm spinner, turning the ball into them. He might find it a little bit harder. And, and as you say, 7-2, to two, he, he just looks a little bit big. So I think I'm going to go five points, Best. I know it's a competition, but um, but, oh, but at, least, right. uh, we can, at least you can get some sort of a draw, worst-case scenario. Yeah, I just think it's just too big, isn't it? And yeah. you know, and he's too good, and he's going to bowl too many overs for that 7-2, to two, not to give you a little bit of uh, little bit of mileage over this two-test match series. So you've spent 15 of your units so far, so have I. I imagine that your final five is going to go on some kind of outright market for this series. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the tight Yorkshireman in me would just like to run with a five pounds, but I, but I'll have to spend it. Um, and you know what? I, th- I think just at the prices, I think Sri Lanka are, are probably a little bit big. I think it's probably a 50-50 This, and, and I think the the toss will be crucial. England won every toss out here last time. Um, they won three 0 but I think winning the toss and batting first really helped them. Who knows if there's an equal sort of share of the tosses, if you like, this time around. It could easily be 1-1. But uh, Sri Lanka to win 2-0 is 8-1. I think they could just about edge this series, but who knows if they win both tosses or if they just play out of the skins, which they're capable of doing. So England obviously missing some key key guys as well. Um, So I'm going to go with that. I think it's 8-1 with Skybet for 2-0 Sri Lanka. So I'll I'll put my last five units there and, and go against the grain in that one. Well, I'm going to take you on with that for sure. One part of what you've said there, I completely agree with, and that is the importance of the toss. I've done a little bit of research on that. Sri Lanka have won seven of the last 10 test matches they've played in goal. That dates back to 2014. And that does date back to when they had some of the uh, um, legendary um, Sri Lankan players playing for them, like Jai Wardner and Sangakara, etc. But it's still a, a record that stands the test of time. Seven out of 10 successes at that ground. So these two test matches both played there. England won by... 211 runs in November 2018. They won the toss. There's been a result in in the last 11 matches played at that test match ground. So backing the draw doesn't make a huge amount of sense 
in this series. Um, I think there's going to be a, a winner for one flag or another in, in both of these test matches. I've given you a clue already, but the last eight test matches played at goal, what is the similarity between the um, eight winning sides in those to eight test matches, Richard? Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to just say win the toss, but but I suspect yeah. you're going to add some beef to the bones and say yeah. no, win it's the a, toss. And- it's as simple as that. Win the toss and bat first. They all yeah. won the toss and they all batted first in the test match. And that is going to be key to this. And it might be worth, I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't want to follow us on these, uh, these punts that we're putting up on this podcast, it might be worth just waiting until... 4.15 or whatever in the morning on, on Thursday morning when the toss has been done, have a check out on the markets. Whoever's actually won the toss and is batting, or even if they've, I mean, I doubt they will, but if they've won the toss and they put the other team in, that would be madness. But whoever's batting first in the uh, first test match at goal, back them to win it. Because, you know, the last eight times that has happened, they've won, gone on and win the test match. And that's a combination of Sri Lanka and the visitors. It's not always Sri Lanka that has won the test match as England proved two years ago, but when Sri Lanka have won the test match and they've batted first, they've won the test match too. So t- the toss is huge. Jeru is a lucky tosser. Um, he he does tend to call right um, at, at important times. So he'll be hoping he can call right twice. But on the basis that, as you said um, just a few moments ago, it's a 50-50 call on a toss. I'm going to go with the one-all draw in this series. You can get England to win 2-0 at 3-1. You can get England to win 1-0 at 100-30. I just think... This might be quite a competitive series and it might not all go England's way. And that might just be down to the toss of a coin. So the draw at one all in this series is 14 to five. So the last of my five units go on that. Yeah, I can Yeah, I can definitely get on board with that. Fascinating stats you've pulled up there. I mean, I know sometimes you, you think about these things and you think, yeah, win, winning the toss and batting first. Um, but until you sort of see it in black and white, I mean, that's it's quite frightening really. And I think you were talking about for, for in, in player punters, you don't even need to do it straight after the toss. You maybe watch the cricket and, and if the side batting first might only scramble to 220 and you think, well, that's probably below par. But if the pitch is already deteriorating, who knows, 200, 250 might keep you in the game yeah. if you get the option to bowl last on a wearing pitch. So, yeah, it's fascinating. And, I, and I'm with you. I, th- I think we'll we'll see two results unless the weather is is horrific. I think, I think Sri Lanka are going to demand pitches that produce results. I think Mickey Arthur... Sri Lanka coach is going to do the same. So unless the weather really spoils the party, I think we'll get two results. And just to add to what you said there about in play, you know, if, if the team batting first is yeah fairly untroubled, got to sort of 35 for no loss, that's probably the time to actually invest yeah, rather than at the toss yeah. because then all of a sudden you see them 27 for three and you're thinking, what have I done with my money? But you know, give the first half an hour a watch and if it does look as if it's going to be a decent batting track, then that's possibly the way to play, invest in the team batting first in that one. Um, just to sum up then, Richard, your 20 units have gone on. Joss Butler at nine to one to be the top England batsman in this series. 10 units on that. Sri Lanka to win the series 2-0 at 8-1. to You've gone for slightly bigger prices than me, haven't you? With five units. And Don Best to be the top bowler um, at 7-2 for England. Five units on that. So that makes up your 20. My 20 units, five. Same on Don Best at 7-2, which should suggest that might not win. But it's a, a decent bet, that, because he's just too big at 7-2. Five units on Don Best, 7-2 to be the leading England bowler. The top Sri Lanka bowler for me, Dilawan Pereira. 12 to 5, five of my units go on him. Top England batsman, Joe Root at 2 to 1, five units on that. And then I'm going with the draw in the series. One all 
at 14 to 5 with the remainder of my five units. We'll top those up at the end of this series and uh, I'll give Richard a ring and either congratulate him or gloat and, uh, <laughs> and see how we get on. But it's uh, been really interesting talking to you, Richard. I know you're going to come back on the Cricket Badger podcast um, on our Big Bash dailies as well to have a look at the uh, playoffs um, in the little gap between the uh, the, gr- the group stage and the, the playoffs in the Big Bash. But until then, it's been great to have you on and uh, thanks for joining me today. No, thanks for having me. And uh, thank you out there for listening and stay tuned for those Big Bash dailies all the way through to the 6th of February on the Cricket Badger podcast. Thanks to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their support of these pods. I've been James Butler, the Cricket Badger. I'll see you very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.